there, welcome to Let's Talk, your one-stop pod for all things pop culture and Game of Thrones. Uh, today's going to be our Season 8, Episode 5 review. Uh, Stu and Rory are back with you again today. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I missed last week. Thanks for going it alone. Yeah, Very it was a bit weird. Week. Yeah, it's it's probably tricky talking on your own, but it's probably nice to not have me talking over you all the time. I guess that's a plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, it's just a bit weird. I mean, thankfully, that's not something we're, we're going to get in the habit of doing. No, we always talk about guests as well, but it, it's just tricky because... People don't you know, like us. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Unpopularity is the, the largest cause of this. No, I'm only joking. People have asked to come on and we are like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll happen. Um, I don't know how many podcasts we are in at this stage, but it's not happened yet. Um, we used to like doing it. It's just because our pods have got so long, I think it depends on the subject matter. There's a couple of people I'd like to get on. There's a guy who I've been speaking to quite regularly on Twitter who does VFX and he worked on Endgame. I think it'd be quite interesting to get his opinion on visual effects and, and you know, and the industry and stuff like that. That'd be quite cool. Um, and there's some people that probably know better about us than certain things, and it would be quite cool to have their input. But I think with something like this, it's it's just very much something we've not talked about in the past, and we kind of wanted to do it properly as best we could. Um, and I think I think before we go into Game of Thrones, I mean, this this season is is going to be. Uh, interesting because it's 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 got a lot of negativity and we'll talk about all that but i think we're just going to touch on a couple of news topics um mix it up a little bit Endgame is breaching or has broken 2.5 billion at the worldwide box office um it's just under I okay. checked before. I, I like, saw articles and they're probably just getting a bit ahead of themselves. It's like 2.49. Um, so for argument's yeah. sake, yeah, it, you know, by the morning, it'll probably have broken it. Yeah. And I think, I think the only thing is whether it, it gets another 300 million worldwide. Um, Detective Pikachu has come out and it's doing well. We both watched that and had good fun with it. Yeah, it was. It was um, really good. It was. It was. Um, could, I mean, we could do this if we had time, but. You could talk about all the uh, film uh, from game adaptations. It's got to be the best one, I'd say. I mean, I mean there's Resident not really Evil been is... that many that haven't been shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, some of them have been so shit that they were actually good. Like Street Fighter was hilariously bad, but yeah. it makes it kind of rewatchable because you want to relive how shit it is. But there's yeah. not that many that I can even think of. Do you know, watching Game of Thrones so much, I really want a God of War film. I think it'd be really good. Only if Batista gets cast as uh, yes. Kratos. Yeah. Imagine there'd be some really good people that could do. I don't know. Shame, shame it's not a daughter because Maisie Williams would be would be amazing. <laughs> it's the son, but obviously not the son. Um, but there'd be some really good people involved in that. There's some, some you know, and there's still rumblings about a Halo movie. I think that'll be shit. Um, or a TV series, I think it's coming, or something like that. Um, but we'll see what happens. But Sex Pikachu was good, and that's doing quite well at the box office. Aladdin is to come, which will do well, even though it looks absolutely horrific. Um, so there are a couple of things that might stop it getting to the Avatar figure. Um, but I hope it gets there. I think it will. Yeah. I, I, I think I people might go for a third time or a second. Do you know what I mean? Those people that maybe watched it 
all the hype and then they're going to go back again in a couple of weeks, do you know what I mean? Because Game of Thrones has been taking up a lot of people's time and stuff like that. So I think maybe maybe after Monday they'll get another big kind of jump in, in figures, hopefully. So I hope it does make it because it's very much worthy. Um, and that links into Spider-Man, which we had a proper trailer for, I'd say, because I think the first one we did talk about in the past was a teaser. I don't think we did a full trailer breakdown of the last one, but the last trailer was a teaser trailer, whereas this had a spoiler warning. I've never seen the spoiler warning on a trailer before, um, but obviously this is now confirmed that this takes place after Endgame. It wasn't some before or summer or this, that, or the other. You know, it was very much after the after the fact, after the event, and you've got Peter kind of mourning. Iron Man, um, and well, Tony obviously, and coming to grips with everything, and then they talk about uh, a breach in the time space or in the um, the multiverse. universe, multiverse essentially. So they they're doing what into the Spider Verse did, and, and heading in the Spider Verse direction, but obviously not quite the same way. But I wonder whether that's a double cross from old Gyllenhaal. Well, that might not be the case. I I don't I don't think it's where he's from i i don't think he's from another one but i would be amazed if shield with all the things that they've seen and all the things they've done weren't already aware of a multiverse and yeah. maybe jill and hall somehow you know maybe mysterio has, has somehow learned about this and he's using it to his advantage because it, it's a very very loose adaptation of mysterio's first big comic arc where he frames Spider-Man and then he tries to come along and act the hero. And he's, it looks like he's kind of doing that where either he's created these creatures or they are actually real. You know, it is actually Hydra-Man and Molten-Man and he's brought them along for some, you know, he's told them that he's a bad guy, but then he's acting the good guy and he's playing both yeah. sides. But it, it, it's a loose adaptation of that. But I, I don't believe for one second that, that this Mysterio is from an alternate Earth because it, it would be a very strange way of introducing the multiverse to just instantly bring in a character before you've actually really explored the idea. I mean, the only yeah. the only time we've really had the multiverse mentioned was very, very quickly in, in Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange. Yeah. which was the first time I think they actually used the word. And you did see when... I don't think they've the ever explored anything him out like his body. that. Yeah, you see they, him they, falling yeah. through all the, the different parts of the multiverse and then that was it yeah they've not explored any of the kind of outside of guardians which is obviously a space movie they've not really explored anything cosmic related or magic related until no. doctor strange came along and even with doctor strange yes dormammu and everything that went on there but it didn't really get into the depths of it i think in a sequel they do a lot of really cool stuff um, but it, it which, you understand why, don't you? Because they were obviously doing the Infinity Saga, so it didn't seem exactly. logical yeah. to be and, doing and the, the Infinity, Infinity Stones and Thanos. and Thanos and everything is enough. And you then know, they didn't to throw another thing in and go, oh shit, yeah, then there's this multiverse. Because yeah. then people would have been expecting, oh, well, why don't you have heroes from other parts of the multiverse coming to help out? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you've got to say, blah, blah. you know, the Eternals, which seems like it's pressing ahead. There's more kind of cast-related stuff. Richard Madden from um, Game of Thrones and Bodyguard. Um, who was he? And he was 
he was Robert Stark, wasn't he? Yeah, so he, he's been cast in the Eternals. Well, it's supposedly well, Angelina Jolie as well. Jo- Jolie was cast a while ago, I think, but obviously they've not confirmed anything. But there's some really good people involved in the project. Um, and we assume that is coming next oh, year. Oh, yeah, and Angelina Jolie before. has actually been confirmed. Yeah, so, I mean, there are some really interesting people in that. But again, a bit more cosmic. I don't know much about the, internal, uh, the Eternals. But Shang-Chi is another one that probably go down the kind of Iron Fist kind of alternative crossover in terms of the martial arts elements of things. So it's going to be quite interesting where they go with that as well. That's got a director and a writer on board. So we don't really know what's happening too much because it's not a lot actually confirmed. Um, but some interesting, interesting stuff been banded around and I think we'll learn a lot more about what's to come after Spider-Man itself but I thought this trailer was great it really really got me excited for the film um, I didn't really uh, we liked the other trailers we talked about them before but I think it's just kind of kicked up the notch and again just more Samuel L. Jackson mate. I just want more yeah. you know what's his line about is it bitch please you've been to space yeah um, I've just had a I look the, that the guy genius. that they've hired to write Shang-Chi <clears throat> He's worked. He worked. He worked on with the, Brie Larson on the film that I was banging about. Yeah. Well, he worked on Godzilla. Um, yeah. He helped with the production rewrite of Ant Man. Then he's nice. worked on. He's worked on the screenplay with Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns for Wonder Woman 1984. And I he's like also he's helping. Gone. He's also writing into the Spider Verse too. So he's definitely. He in must be held light. in pretty high regard then. If both yeah. studios are using him, yeah, he's an interesting guy. I think there are a few people we, we've looked Callahan. at a few in the past that have been involved in, you know, projects. You know, uh, are you watching what's the season we watch on Amazon Prime? I can't remember. Um, Mark Cloak and Dagger. Should I remember the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been watching season two? Because I yeah, need to catch up. I kind of thought I'd do it in one big foul swoop when I when it kind of wraps up because I've been so busy with Game of Thrones and, and, and whatnot. So um but I know there's some really good people involved in that that I think Marvel might look to move to Disney Plus and you know things like that and, and maybe films. And I think that's what Kevin Feige is doing really well. He's getting people across all platforms working on stuff and then moving in and around the place. So well you can see I'm, what they've been doing now with the they're sort of starting to ramp up getting more bits out there about WandaVision and um, Falcon yeah. and um, Winter Soldier and Loki and you can see they really are going to push hard on, on Disney Plus it's oh, not going to be do like you know a... what? Tom Hiddleston just every time I watch him in anything now I just want more so yeah. I think it's not going to be like a lot of people thought where it's going to be a secondary service this no. is another like main arm of, of Disney's strategy is it's not like oh we're just going to dump all of our old movies and all of our crap on on this oh no no. they're going to be putting put it this way the fact that they're going to have paul bettany elizabeth olsen and uh, tom hiddleston playing their characters that that alone is and jeremy renner as well well. you know that that's going to cost them a fair chunk of money to take these characters and port them they obviously won't be making Hollywood blockbuster type wages, but it still would have been cheaper if they'd gone well, you know, and scaled it back. But they're they're clearly trying to make it a serious part of the of the and, business going forward. And it's yeah, and I think what so we miss as well restrictions because there's already yeah. been something I read last week confirming that they are going to use Hulu as an extension of Disney Plus for the things that maybe don't a hundred percent fit the vision. 
So if there's yeah, things exactly. that are a little bit graphic, they can still release it as Disney, but it just goes on Hulu instead of Disney Plus. So they're they're being very clever with the way they're embracing streaming and not using it as just a a, a dumping ground. Which yeah, I thought they would as well because all we heard at first was. Well, they're going to make all the Disney no, animated films and all the MCU. No, I just thought they were just going to pull all their content, basically, and shove it on there, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, that alone, don't get me wrong, wouldn't be a bad service. Cause oh, so yeah, I mean, still having, having having one one place to watch every Disney film and every Marvel film and every Star Wars film, that yeah. alone would get people subscribing. Oh, but yeah. would it keep them for 12 months or well, would people just join for a year and then give yeah. up? Yeah, I mean, and that's what we talk about with Netflix. They do... Netflix are a different beast than when I first signed up all those years ago, like eight years ago. I remember eight years ago, there was a few films. Um, there was no original TV content or film Well, content. I remember the first time they actually did an original series and everybody said it was going to flop. Well, you know, yeah. when they started buying the rights to... Um... Well, they did stuff in partnership, like did, Breaking Bad, they, but that wasn't... That wasn't what was the other one? So Breaking Bad, they, they acquired Breaking Bad at one stage um, after AMC, but I don't know if it was acquired just on international rights um, because they didn't release it all in one drop. They released it in in intervals, in, in parts, so I think that means it was still an AMC production. Um, I can't remember what else they did. Sons of Anarchy, I don't think, was ever there. I think but there was, was another one they else. did, and all these things were basically saying, like... Well, even making a murderer. Ne- I mean, Netflix one, need to you know, stay just... in their lane. You know that. What yeah. What are they doing? Trying to pretend. Oh, same with a films. TV network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, when they started doing original films, it was like, who are you? You're the one that people go to to watch TV shows from ten years ago. And, now... and then they got these incredible directors, and then this year they've got Scorsese with DiCaprio, uh, with De Niro and Al Pacino doing a film. It's like, well, there you go. Do you know, you know what they, I mean? they've completely changed the landscape for, for how streaming they have is changed viewed the landscape, and, and, yeah. and Disney are trying to obviously do the same thing and it's hard to see it not succeeding. And they've got some great people involved, Disney. We talk about The Mandalorian, but there's just insane people involved in that with John Favreau as a showrunner. I'm just like, that's just genius. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, And John Favreau is involved in loads of great projects. Again, I think he's going... Something else he was rumoured to be doing, which sounded really good. I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was Star Trek, but it was something else. And I was like, yeah, just sign me up for anything Favreau's involved in because he's gone from strength to strength, really. Um, and it's, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting landscape for, for media going forward because it does feel a lot centred around Skylantic, HBO as a kind of pairing. And then obviously Netflix and then Disney are going this direction. And I mean, I know you watch a lot of the, the DC comic verse kind of stuff, CW verse stuff, um, but I would like to see a little bit more superhero TV content that's not as popcorny, if that's all right. You know, to say I'm not trying to disrespect it, but that that stuff is quite in that vein. Um, and obviously, we haven't got Netflix anymore producing the harder hitting content. Do you know what I mean? So it's going to be quite interesting, you know, without the Punisher and Daredevil, unless Hulu does do something with that in the future so we will see but yeah there's a lot to look forward to but at the minute we are focusing on game of thrones um the biggest tv show of all time in terms of at least people watching it and talking about it if nothing else but i, I mean it is it's huge um and when i was last on we were talking about episode three weren't we which was probably the biggest scale thing ever shot in terms of tv we've said you know 55 day night shoot plus all the rest of the days with the green screen um 
and that was insane. And I think going into this, I didn't talk last week, but you know, you obviously talked about Daenerys, um, you know, turning the way of the Mad Queen and predicting it and whatnot. And and lo and behold, <laughs> this is what happened, and then some in this episode. Um, can I first? point out that as a spectacle this episode is probably the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen on TV Re- more than Battle of Winterfell? Yeah Right, okay Well, yeah, the, the, the tagline right. we tag that we used for last week's um, episode on all the tweets was "Is this? are we seeing Daenerys' descent into the Mad Queen and yeah. yes one word answer, absolutely without a doubt and it, yeah. it's been very, very divisive. There's been a lot of people that haven't liked the turn, which is one issue. A lot of people haven't liked the pacing, which is a different issue. And other people just plain don't like it, which, I mean, I, I just can't understand at all. We we put out the feelers before for some questions, and I think we've got a few back. So we'll try and answer those later on at the end. We will. But it so, is I mean, I, I liked it. First... You know, straight out the um, out the stables. I really enjoyed it. It was another one I, where I was yeah. sitting on the edge of my seat. I I like I said. I mean, just just purely on a visual content basis, I preferred it very much than episode three because episode three was obviously very dark, very atmospheric. It was a genius episode that had a huge payoff at the end. Um, and had some great moments, which we talked about, especially with Arya, who was probably, I mean, our favourite character. There's no, there's no getting away from that, at least mine. Um, along with the Hound and a couple of others. Uh, Tormund, who sadly is departed off. Can we get a Tormund and Ghost spin-off? Can I just put that out there? Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't get to say that last week. Because I want a Tormund and Ghost spin-off just roaming around. Um, giants, everything. It would just be amazing. Um, give it a proper CG budget and just do away with the dragons. But, I mean, this, this episode, because they built a, a real world set, and I know they did that for obviously Winterfell, but because they built this real world set, obviously a huge proportion of it is CG, um, but the set and the carnage with the bodies and the the atmospheric music and, and the sound effects and everything that went along with it. There was some those sequences when I was running through the streets, and I just felt like this is this is phenomenal television. And people don't stop to think about that anymore. People are so wound up in thinking, but they've done this to my character, and she was my character, and it wasn't yours, and, and this is what I thought was going to happen, and they were going to have sit on the throne together and have happy ending and babies and maybe dragons or whatever the hell people want. I don't give a shit about that right now, you know, in terms of what I'm focusing on. It's just a case of what is happening in front of me, what's unfolding in front of my eyes is some of the just most astounding looking TV I've ever seen because the dragon in this, Drogon, was so well shot, even from minute one, you know, with the the Varys scene that we'll go back to and talk in, in detail. And then all through the sequences, it was such a clever way of portraying this because it it didn't even focus on Daenerys. It was focusing on the terror from the ground level. Do you know what I mean? The utter carnage for all involved, you know, whether it was her troops, whether it was John's kind of troops as such, whether it was the enemy, 
I mean, the Golden Company lasted about two minutes, um, or whether it was Arya and the, the actual civilians and anyone under, everyone was just under extreme peril except the one person flying the dragon. You know, it was, it was so well shot. It was so well put together. I thought it was just, uh, you know, like I said, a phenomenal showpiece. And I think people are so caught up in everything else that they kind of aren't appreciating that aspect of it. And I kind of just wanted to give it props for that before we talked about anything else. And, you know, I will be honest about some of the things I do and don't like about the show now. I, I don't think it's the same show that we, we started watching all those years ago. But at the same time, could it be? Because, you know, a few people have made some great points online that I've read, like rational people, not irrational, crazy people that there's a lot of, that we talked about episode three in detail, that that took 70 days to shoot. This, this has taken two years in the making, and I don't know how much of a CG amount of time in production, but obviously maybe not Avengers Endgame level, but it can't be, maybe it is. Do you know what I mean? Because you, when you're talking more footage than Endgame, aren't you? You know, you're talking more than three hours worth of film. You're talking six or seven hours, and a lot of it is involving dragons and the sequences around the set pieces and, and everything else. So as much as we might all want more episodes, are the actors, you know, can they afford it? I mean, HBO obviously said they're willing to put as much money into it, but I know the actors are earning a crazy amount of money at this point. It's not quite friends' stakes, you know, where they're earning a million an episode, but it's not a million miles away. Oh, some apparently are. Apparently, yeah. Lena Headey is by this point. Well, apparently that came out. It was half a million an episode she was on. Ah, right. I, I'd imagine Daenerys and John are on the same. Um, but still, that's three million quid a piece. I'm sure the others aren't on Tyrion. You know, he, he must be on the same figure. So, you know, you're not talking small amount of wages and then the it's it's the scale of it it's the production it's the costumes it's the designs it's the cg it's it's the filming locations it's taking all these staff over to belfast and the studios for all this time it's taking them over to croatia for all this period of time it's doing the stuff in the snow in iceland or wherever else they shoot it's practical effects as, as much as they can do and then they're in the studio doing all the cg work and all the post-production work it's it's monumental undertaking and i think yes they could have squeezed an episode or two more because i think the only issues i have is they don't often let it breathe and and so a character death doesn't feel quite as eventful perhaps or as, as emotionally hard-hitting but this is what everyone's been crying out for you know we've had when we did a rewatch and we talked about it in detail do you remember all those, this, you know, the highest barrier stuff that just dragged on and on and on until episode, you know, nine and ten, when we had two of the most incredible episodes of probably Game of Thrones, those last two of that season. Was it season five or season six? Season five, um, that that was my least favourite by a mile. It was slow up until nine eight, and ten, nine and ten. Yeah, exactly. And so people are going, oh, God, it's just plodding along again. When will they get to do this and when will they do that? And I think everyone's going, oh, you know, I really liked it when just had this kind of casual interplay with Tyrion when he's traveling, you know, when he's um, traveling across the Daenerys, the first instance, and and that's taking probably two or three episodes. And they're, they're harping back to what they liked about the show in the past. But when that was on in the past, a lot of people were moaning about it because they're like, will they just get to the action? Will they just get to the point? And now this season's gone, right, we're going straight to the action. We're going to hit straight into the point. And they're going, 
oh, I miss that. I miss the, the interplay. I miss the clever character. You know, people have legitimate concerns about, you know, where their characters have gone in terms of building up to this, that, and the other. And I, and I think some are quite respectful. And I think some characters like Cersei, uh, Lena Healy hasn't had as much to do as I would have liked because I think she's probably one of the best they've got and they haven't given her quite enough to work on. But at the end of the day, it was always going to end. You know, all the actors want to move on to other things. That's quite clear. That's quite evident at this stage. You know, Kit Harrington has very much um, said that. And a lot of the others have said that too. It's been a massive undertaking for their lives. And they, they, they've hit the highest heights they can hit as actors in terms of small screen. But I think a lot of them want to move on and do other projects. And that's fine. And I think that, you know, same with the showrunners and they're getting, they're going over to do Disney and work on a Star Wars project. So it's not like these people are going to hang around forever just to make a few filler episodes. They are just getting to the point. And I, and I know it seems a little bit harsh to say this, but at the end of the day, it's what everyone was crying out for. And now they've got it. They're not happy. That's what it feels like a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's the same. It, it's definitely not the same show, but I think when it when something grows as big and as quickly as this has, it's never going to be the same show. No. It's it's like bands, isn't it? You know, bands do an album and it gets really well received, so they do another one and they have to change the style, and then people go, "Oh, but I want you to be like you were," and it's like you can't. Things do have to grow and evolve. The only yeah. real criticism I think is completely fair is people have said about the time, the way time is portrayed. It, 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 it's supposed to take by horseback two weeks to get from King's Land, uh, to King's Landing from Winterfell. But now it seems to be happening. It's like, bang, we're in Winterfell. Well, now we're in King's Landing. But I thought they mediated that quite well by specifically mentioning now that a lot of um, Daenerys and Jon's forces were using the sea. So yeah. that's only going to take them a couple of days. So I think I, they, I think last season there was a bit too much time travel. I think was, we've said was, that it, it got a little bit. Well, like, we 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 yeah, were honest about were the way that the Raven suddenly got to Daenerys when they were stuck at north of the Wall, you know, on that ice block, um, and suddenly she arrived with a dragon. It, it was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit uh, hard to believe, and there are a few characters that suddenly seem to arrive and disappear. Um, and people will say there's a lot of characters that may be underused in this season but the one thing i've got an issue with is sometimes you know in the past the death has felt a certain amount of gravitas and 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 a weight on it whereas now it doesn't feel as you know they're tying up a lot of loose ends and a few things have been rushed in you know like when yara got rescued by theon that was just thrown in there for measure just for and you know tying up loose ends ticking boxes a little bit um and I think it's hard not to feel like this has been a bit rushed, and, and I do think it has. But at the end of the day, you're still getting what is it, seven hours plus of content? You know, it's not. It's more than that, isn't it? Because some of these episodes are really long. Most um, of them are an, uh, an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, so we're talking what eight or nine hours of telly there this season. So. Yes, it might feel a little bit rushed and more focused on the the big spectacle stuff, but I, I don't think... I think they've done 
as much as they can do with these characters in terms of taking them so far. I think just a lot of people are just disappointed at how, when it comes to the final, you know, fights as such, when it comes to the Night King and it comes to the fight with Cersei or King's Landing, how minuscule their parts feel. So suddenly John is powerless, whereas in the past he was he was heroic, he was a big, you know, but for him, fighting in the Battle of the Bastards and fighting at Hard Home, you know, for Hard Home he was involved, but equally he was as quick to run away as he could, do you know what I mean? Because he was relatively powerless. And Battle of the Bastards was a different battle, it was a different kind of bloodshed, different warfare. Whereas when a dragon gets involved and when the Night King gets involved and whatnot, John isn't really gonna be, you know, <laughs> He can only do so much. He is just one man. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same with Tyrion. I I miss the Tyrion and Bronn stuff. I miss a bit more of his interplay and, and the cleverness of his character. And they're talking about, oh, how he's been dumbed down now. No, he hasn't. He's just got no control over, over the Daenerys. The whole world has evolved past the point he he was. I, I like the way they've they've done it. Like you say, with those two examples. The yeah. world has evolved past John being able to hack and slash his way out of trouble or Tyrion yeah. being able to talk his way out of trouble. Because when you've got a dragon that has killed probably tens of thousands of people in about 10 minutes, there's yeah. not a lot that words or a single swordsman can do to stop hundreds, that. Hundreds, hundreds so, of thousands. So it, it's <laughs> yeah. not that... You know, it's not that their development has been stunted. If anything, it, it's showing them as being the limited humans that they are. You know, if Tyrion yeah. was a mage or something, you know, if he had magic powers, then fair enough. But he's not. He's a dwarf. He's a very limited fighter. He's probably the most clever man in the whole world. But even well, he can't do anything yeah. to change the tide now because there's a fucking dragon being ridden by a mad woman. You know, I always thought his dad was probably the smartest man in Westeros, to be fair. Um, Tywin was certainly as crafty as anyone. And I think what Tyrion always had was charm. Do you know what I mean? He could charm himself out of any situation um, if he couldn't bribe himself out of it. Um, and yes, he became a useful hand because he, he knew King's Landing. He knew his sister. He knew the world. But he's still a weak... He's still got weaknesses. Do you know what I mean? He's still is that man. And it's the same with Varys in, in, in up to this point. Varys was always out for the greater good, but he was always scheming. Like Littlefinger, he was always going to get caught at some stage or another. Do you know what I mean? Because there's only so many people you can you can scheme against. Do you know what I mean? You can I mean, he's, he's, a, he's effectively so double-crossed every single ruler that he's worked for in some way, shape, or form. He's exactly. very lucky that he was able to live to the age that he was because he should have been killed by by Ares because he was scheming against him. And yet he's, yeah. he did the right thing. Sorry, he did the wrong thing, but for completely the right reasons. But oh, he, he was at the right. End of the day, and I think he knew he was right. And I think Tyrion at that stage probably knew he was even right. Tyrion even yeah. Tyrion knew he was because they had the scene last week where they were in the throne room talking. Yeah. Oh, and he of course, said, don't yeah. pretend you've never thought about it. And he was like, of course I've thought about it, but thoughts aren't treason. And that was the difference. Tyrion wasn't willing to put his own neck on the line where his and marriage I think, was. Yeah. And we know and even that in season seven, you know, when 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 Khaleesi, when Danny sat around um in is it Storm's End or whatever the place is. Dragonstone. Um, 
Dragon Stone. Um, when she sat around the table and speaking to Elena, uh, not Elena Martel. Is it Elena Martel? No, who's the wonder? Someone rigged Diana Rigg played the really amazing older. Oh, Lana Martel. Lana Martel. Um, so when they were having that conversation about, you know, you've got a dragon, you've got dragons, go and burn them all. Do you know what I mean? It's what Cersei deserves. The people don't matter. And she was like, I, I'm not here to be the Queen of Ashes. But at that point, she wasn't the same character. And people are going, well, maybe she we was need too to naive. She was naive because. You know, she was naive in Marine. She was naive in Cars. She wasn't. She's she been had naive people every, around her. Every single place that she's ruled, she's made mistakes by being because her too kind. Was, her upbringing was a mess as well. Do you know what I mean? Like she, she kept trying to trust. Yeah, like you said, it's naivety. It's it's trusting the right people at certain times, which she started to do because she surrounded herself with good people. But at the end of the day, when it came down to it in episode four. She lost probably her only true friend in the world. You know, she lost Masande, who is the only person that's been there from start to finish in terms of her as an adult, necessarily. Do you know what I mean? After after she's gone past the, the stage with Carl Drogo and, you know, she's lost Jorah. She's lost, what was it, Sir Barristan a while back now, obviously. Um... And then she left, I can't remember who his name was, but she was sleeping with that guy who'd changed character at some point, actor. Um, left him in Marine. Dario Naharis. Yes. So she she's left everyone behind. And, and yes, Grey Worm is, is a colleague, is a friend, I guess, or whatever, but it's not the same. Like, Masandi was the one that they connected, do you know what I mean? They had a, a bond and a friendship. And what her dying words were to her is Dracarys. I mean, if she wasn't turned at that point, if she wasn't thinking Cersei is... Everyone's told her how evil Cersei is. All that's been on her mind is taking the throne. And, yeah, Daenerys in her right mind wouldn't be burning thousands of innocent children and people, but she's got that streak. She's got that mad king streak. It's I mean, the Targaryen blood. Clearly, Missandei's last words—that was her telling her what to do. She, uh, to me, the way it's I like a ball seeing red. Yeah, it, it was to me that was Missandei. That was the equivalent of what she would have done when she was gathered round the table with her. I think she would have said to her if she'd had the chance, "Look, you've played it safe. You've lost two dragons. You've lost half your army, three quarters of your army, whatever. You are gonna have to do this." the hard way you know the way you don't want to do it and it was the way she said it it was so unemotional and to me that was her sending a message of just saying you're gonna have to but you know she wasn't saying dracarys to a dragon she's saying it to daenerys like you're gonna have to bring this place down with fire and she wasn't saying she wasn't saying kill everyone with fire i don't think that would have been the sunday's message but it was very much saying Use force. That's, yeah. that's the weapon like, you have. You're not you know going to be mean? able to to sort this out with diplomacy. That was Tyrion's last last possible chance, yeah. wasn't it? And you can sort of see why Daenerys has gone down that route. And arguably, Grey Worm certainly thinks that this is the right way to do it because he's a soldier. And it's maybe the first time she's approached this like a soldier, like a real warrior, 
rather than worrying about everyone thinks about and no conqueror thinks that much about the people that they're conquering because they're you know Aegon I'm sure Aegon the Conqueror if you if you went back you know however long it is a thousand years back in history he didn't yeah. think that much about it his main thing was I need to kill as many people as I need to kill to get everyone to fall in line and she will have done the same now the problem yeah. is that in doing Any so, of these... she's burned so many bridges and she's clearly going to get betrayed by John and anyone else who was on her side. She, she's got no one left. I, no. You know, I, and that, that's uh, why I don't understand why so many people have said, oh, this turn is so unexpected. It's the exact opposite. It was completely telegraphed since the uh, first I... season that she was going to go mental. She's always I had the she ability. she might be a little bit more torn with it than it felt like she was. Only because, you know, let's get to the point of it. When the bell tolled, I thought... Okay, she will still go ahead rather than the army. You know, they throw down their weapons, they've surrendered. I still think she burns them all, but I did, didn't think did she you notice that the when rest. when that happened, Grey Worm had a look on his face, and I think she told him, even though she silently agreed with Tyrion. Yeah. I think she said to Grey Worm, "No matter what happens, you kill as many of her men as you can." And he's he's just lost the he's just lost the only person of significance in his well, life. He's as a well. consummate soldier, isn't he? He wouldn't have made yeah. that decision on his own. He would only have done that if he was told to. I oh, think. After I that point with Sunday, they both both just realised this is what we're going to do. They know I just, they know what needs to be done. They knew that they couldn't afford to leave all the Golden Company soldiers alive on the off chance that, say, Cersei was able to regroup. Yeah. take them all back and then end up with another battle. They knew it. she was calling it the last war, wasn't she, a couple of episodes ago. This has yeah. to be the last big battle before someone, whoever's left, tries I mean, to, to stabilise it. You know, the moment where, because obviously I didn't get to speak, to speak about it, the moment where she's in Winterfell on, in season four and she goes out the room, you know, they're all saying King of the North and King of the North and they're all toasting John. And she's out the room. She's not there. She's not in the same headspace. She's gone at that stage. She looks around herself and goes, you know, around the place and goes, I don't know anyone here. This isn't, do you know what I mean? All at that point, all she's been told all along is to take the Iron Throne. That's, because that's your job. Because everyone supports you. They all, they line the it's streets. It's all about you taking the, the Iron Throne and they'll sing your name and they'll love you and they'll worship you. She's been fed. Lie after lie, yeah, and I, I don't think she even knows what she's she's fighting for at this stage. Do you know what I mean? Well, they she, often she... said that, didn't they? I can't remember who it was. I don't know whether it was Tyrion. Somebody, one of her loyal supporters, said to her, "Do you yeah. even know like what you're fighting for? You've never been there. You don't know any of the cities. You you don't even know what the Iron yeah, Throne looks like." Yeah, why do you want to? Why do you want to leave? these people do you know what i mean like that's she, the thing she, why she's so set on ruling in a land that she's never even been to it's yeah, strange and, and they gave her an out like they said. gave her an out with john because john could have you know stepped forward as, as the forthright leader and and would have gone about things the wrong way and, and they could have ruled together and if she'd and she, done that if she if she put her weight behind him john yeah. would have had the unsullied and the dothraki and and she would have used the dragon more appropriately, perhaps is the right way to put it. Um, but at the end of the day, she, I think she at some point gave up her right to happiness when season four obviously happened. She realised 
she she can't have the life that maybe was being offered to her in 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 one you know one because she she just couldn't and and at that point she didn't trust John anymore because John had told his sister but John you know they don't know each other all that well this is a very whirlwind kind of romance do you know what I mean this is very much so as much as people say well she's got John and this I I John's affections and John's love is nothing compared to Masande in terms of a character because they've known each other for 10 years or whatever the show is spanned over do you know what I mean we don't know the full time scale or timeline of the show really in terms of the years but She's got no one left, really. She's got no one she can turn to. You could argue you know, she never really had anyone truly. Well, other exactly. Than she, she, yeah, and and she had Carl Drogo, but she was deemed as being like a teenager at that point. Do you know what I mean? And, and yes, she was supposed she, to be thirteen years old when she exactly. married him. So by the time he died, she still will have only been maybe fifteen, sixteen. So yeah, it's you, not you like sort she of ever had. She the, didn't ever have track of it. A, a, she didn't have a dog bringing. She was just passed well, like around said, from she, to She's had all those people around her, but like Tyrion came to her very late in the day. So did Varys. She's not got a great personal relationship with Grey Worm because he's a soldier. The only person he's connected with was Missandei. Yeah, so the only one he ever dropped any emotional John. connection with is Missandei. It's Missandei, and that was clearly because they both came from a point of slavery because Danny yes. was a slave. She was being hoard out around... Oh, around the whole world by a brother for anyone that would give him a crown and an army. Yeah. So they had a genuine deep-rooted friendship and you can totally see why losing that one person, she's seen John being elevated up to the position of king even though he says he doesn't want it and even if yeah. John doesn't want it, it still completely delegitimizes her claim and anyone who would have supported her like Varys talked to, to Tyrion about all the lords of the uh, of the kingdoms, they would all back John because they would say, "Yeah, but he's better than her," and she knows she only had one person in the world. And I thought she did hesitate a little bit when it was a lovely scene the way Drogon landed on top of that tower oh, it was and amazing. she's waiting, and you could see her shaking. I didn't think she was going to burn the streets. I thought she was just going to go straight for the Red Keep and melt it, and it'd be like a recreation of what happened at Harrenhal. Because they said seasons ago that dragon breath is so hot, it can melt stone. I didn't expect her to go all psycho on the streets, but I kind of understand why. She's obviously snapped and thought, you know what? You don't like me. I don't like you. I'm going to get rid of as many people as I can. And despite what I said, I will rule the ashes. But, of course, it's now very unlikely that's going to happen because Varys sent a very... Varys sent yeah. a very open letter to either someone or some ones to explain who John is. And I think he's he sort of I think he sent multiple letters out to multiple people yeah. and pleaded with them to get behind John and to just completely ignore her. It just it depends on who is left in terms of, of power players in the you know, there's a new Prince of Dawn. Um you know, anything across the, the, the narrow sea isn't involved in, in what goes on in the other... Do you know what I mean? No one gives a shit in Bravos or, or Marine or Carth or anything. Uh, we know how removed those places are. It's intriguing what happened in Winterfell. I, I will be really disappointed if we don't get time with Sansa 
and 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 ultimately, I think people are a little bit frustrated with Bran. I think Bran has been in the shadow of the character from 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 the whole show. To be honest, I, I've never really taken or because he's such a cold, characterless kind of style character. I think he's been interesting as a a part part platform for the Night King, but I don't think you know he's ever really done anything significant that would he can see things but he can't influence necessarily can he do you know what i mean so i wonder whether we get any any involvement with bran whatsoever but i think sansa has something to say at some point and whether she becomes lady of winterfell at a point or or queen or whatever it will be i hope that does happen um we obviously know Arya is is i don't think leaving king's landing anytime soon um and we will talk about her quite significantly. Um, and John, you know, ultimately will know. I mean, the look on his face said it all. Do you know what I mean? He he was worried she could turn, but I don't think he ever predicted that. Well, no one. Did. And he looked terrified, didn't he, when he saw? Yeah, her when he said night, to he retreat. Who the hell is this? Who the hell have I been sleeping with? Because this isn't it. But clearly, when he was now, fighting everyone else, do you know, he, started, well, he, he had to kill he, one of his own men. He killed one of the Northmen that was trying to rape that woman. Because that was so against, you know, that was just so against character of it, every. It, it just transcended into chaos and madness. Do you know what I mean? It was utterly barbaric, and it. Well, I mean, it was a shocking episode. It was. It was. You know, each character, even the smaller ones, you know, the, the mother and a daughter that you start to root for, just someone survived, just survived. And, you know, you see Arya's face when they're burnt to a cinder at the oh, end. Oh, God, just, yeah. Still holding just, each other. Oh, and holding the bloody, it was it the horse, like, toy, like, wooden yeah. figure. Anytime anyone's holding a wooden finger, I can't not think of um, Stannis' daughter, Shireen. Yeah, Shireen. when she had the, uh, the stag. Oh, um, and it was just utter brutality. But I mean, everyone was just, you know, and even Cersei until that uh, she was so. Uh, I, I love that character. I think Lena Headey has just been a magnificent part of Game of Thrones. Um, and I actually genuinely thought it was a kind of relatively fitting send off. People go, oh, maybe she's not dead. This and the other, they're both dead. Um, I thought it I, was quite fitting because she died the complete opposite way to how she lived. She was always so fearless in public, but she yeah. died terrified. And I thought that was really, really clever that that's the way it And it she died with her. the right person. As much as Jamie, they hinted at Jamie having that potential happy ending with Brienne. He was tied to Cersei. Their relationship was the bonded relationship. You can't get away from that. He knew that. And he knew he had to be with her at the end because he, he knew it would be the end. Do you know what I mean? He'd seen what happened. He'd, see, he'd seen the dragons more than anyone. He knew, he said in, in season seven, you know, she has three dragons. She has a bigger army. She has this. And even a depleted army and one dragon is far more dangerous than a few scorpion arrow bolts that she actually easily destroyed um and that was another thing that that got sort of poo-pooed was oh well how were they able to get rid of him well did nobody notice that when she lost Rhaegar last week it was because yeah. they they attacked the fleet from the front this time she attacked him from behind oh, so with she, the sun in the went back, yeah. she went at it very strategic and by the time Euron gave the order to turn the fleet round 
they couldn't. And of course, you can't turn the scorpions all the way around because these things weigh a fucking ton. So that was all quite logical. And then she's actually gone about it very systematically. She was oh, coming yeah. in from high and she knew exactly. I suspect that last week she took very careful mental notes of where all the scorpions were. And she went in like a surgeon and just took them out one by one, knowing they were the only thing that was possibly going to stop her. So I don't see why that was such a talking point. No, I I, I don't remotely, to be honest. I, I thought that was actually... I was amazed at how easily they took down the dragon last week, but I had no fear or no doubt that she would just she would just destroy them. I, I um, thought Drogon was going to get hit, but it would turn out, because Drogon is so much bigger than Viserion and, and Rhaegar were, that it would either bounce off him or it wouldn't kill him as, as easily as it did Rhaegar yeah. last week. But again, loads of people last week complained about the scorpion. Oh, they just happened to hit him three times and that's enough to kill him. But then they don't hit Drogon and everyone's complaining about that. So the damned if they do and the damned if they don't. And you can't, I mean, the big thing with Daenerys is as much as, you know, Drogon is, is, is a much bigger dragon. And yes, he's bigger, so he's a bigger target. But he's also a better flyer. I think that's been known from. Do you know what I mean? He is the more he's the one agile, that she's always he's the skillful. He's, he's very, exactly. very agile. And he, she's riding him, so she's got a little bit more control over. And by the this movement. point, she, she's an experienced rider. You know, she's ridden him in oh, several gotcha. battles now, and they've yeah, obviously exactly. got a better relationship. Almost like a tell. There's been implications that. They almost have a telepathic. It was the same. It was the same with the uh, the Starks and the Direwolves. Yeah. Yeah. So as much as John didn't say bye to Ghost, which was quite sad, I think you got to hope there was some some kind of you know. There, there definitely was. I mean, I understand that the they've tried to shave a bit of CG money, but people did go over the top with, "Oh, we didn't even say goodbye." <laughs> it it was a bit much. He clearly did say he's, goodbye. He's off with Uncle Tom and he's having a great time. Yeah, you know what I mean, they're, they're probably like keeping tally of who's killed the most sheep and I know. the most bears and stuff. <laughs> Just he'll be having way. the time <laughs> of his life up in the north. I he's he's back. You know, no White Walkers. He's been he, he can live in pretty up there, isn't he? He's gonna have a great time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's the Aria twist was very good. I, I re, oh, the, the bit I, where she you know pulled... again, people don't like this, right? So yeah, the, we'll we'll get to that bit because we we need to talk the game bowl in quite a lot of detail. Yes. I would say yes, um, because you've been weighing it from day one, even though you didn't know at that point. Um, That's how good it was. I needed it before I even needed it. Yeah, exactly. I think Arya again was was fascinating in this episode because she was. She like like I said when I talked about the the actual effects of it and the the sheer brutality on the ground, she was a great sign of what was going on because the camera followed her in these amazing, you know, set pieces and and the brutality that was all being left behind her. Um, obviously, the burning and the rubble and just the sheer what would happen in this situation and you know, and we've seen it in other battles in Game of Thrones, but not to this extent. You know, we it saw the walls coming like down it, at Winterfell. It almost seemed like it snapped her out of the the assassin 
and put her back into being Arya Stark well, of Winterfell. And it, it snaps, it snaps Joe out, uh, John out of battle mode as well. Do you know, uh, it, it's... Because it, it, it wasn't every, a battle, was it? They they were prepared for a fight, but this was a slaughter. It wasn't. It was a slaughter. Exactly the word I was going to use is slaughter. It wasn't a battle. It's the most one-sided destruction of a, a city ever faced. You know, it, it is just... it's unstoppable force yeah and i think you know it's just an unstoppable force and i think you know i is still in assassin mind assassin mindset she's not gonna let her targets get away and then at that point and despite what i say about you know well she killed the night king so cersei's no one this and the other i'm like yes but think about the context think about the weight of it you know she had to kill the Night King to stop everyone she loved, and she does love people. She's still a human. She's not complete. She's not. Yeah, she's Bran. not gone Bran. She's actually. not Bran. She's not gone full she, Bran. Bran like. has got no emotions left. Whereas she just buries hers a little bit when she's got the end goal in sight. Exactly. But if there was ever anything to snap you out of that and put you back in the real world, it's yeah. seen innocent people. You know, she was okay with fighting the undead and she would have been okay if she was fighting the golden company but seeing women and children being massacred by a dragon that's going to put anyone off their stride and you know she's not a coward for wanting to get out she she realized she had that wonderful uh, well, moment and he, with the hound and he when said it i mean that yeah the moment with the hound is is again i think along with brienne's uh, being knighted i think it's probably my highlight of this season you know, for the non-spectacle stuff, you know, the stuff that yeah. really makes you feel that level of emotion that they've really done. I mean, I must admit, Tyrion kind of, I don't know, holding the arm or the shoulder of Varys felt quite emotive because those two have had such a incredible friendship and relationship. Do you know what I mean? They've been through an awful lot together. Um, and I think Varys was quite accepting at that point, but it was quite hard to see. You know, he, Tyrion's lost everyone he loves, and he knew he was losing Jamie at some point as well. Do you know what I mean? So it's been, it's been as it's difficult a journey for him as anyone else. Um, but but for Arya and you know and Sandor, it's it, their relationship is much more deep than people ever like to give well, it they credit. Were one because... of our favourite double, uh, favourite double. Yeah, they, they, they yeah, were they brilliant were when they were together, yeah. and they would both say. They both got something out of their friendship. And they, they had a love-hate relationship. Yeah. When, you know, he was like the the sort of trotting off, barely saying a word, and they're both cracking jokes, you know, will you leave me, uh, will you rob me and leave me to die again? <laughs> yeah, probably. And he chuckles because he loves the fact that yeah. she just calls a spade a spade. And I think she loves the fact that he's one of the few people that accepts her now for who she is. Everyone else is like a little bit of I don't think anyone John loves her but he doesn't know her. He doesn't anymore. understand her. No. And and um He does who's who's the guy she rejected? Um Gendry. <laughs> Gendry. Gen- Gendry, you know, obviously he thinks he loved her and thought the best thing to do was propose, but it wasn't. Um because he doesn't know her at all. Not not what she's become, not who she is now. And he didn't even know her that well previously because they were only together for a certain period of time in the past and a certain period of time in the future. She spent as much time with him during her 
most kind of fragile years of losing her father, him becoming a kind of de facto father figure to her, and and him finding someone he actually cared about, actually yeah. two people, because he also cared about Santa. I must I must admit, yeah, because he he's, uh, he's a man. Well, he always tried down to protect of, of honor. You know, even, he, even when knew... she was at King's Landing being abused, yeah. and she wanted to push Joffrey off the battlements, he told yeah. her to just pack it in and you know be a good girl and smile when they tell you to smile say what they tell you to say yeah because that's what he'd learned to be as well he'd learned to be a a soldier be a good dog hadn't he and that's why they always called him the hound because he was as loyal as a dog and he saved her life because what would have happened if she pushed him off Oh, she yeah. would have been dead before the sun had gone down oh and he knew that you know exactly so his his relationship with the Starks is as important as Brienne's became with Sansa. Do you know what I mean? It's as important as, as Theon with Sansa as well. Um, their relationship together is is crucial to what the story's been, and and they've had moments together in this this season which have been a huge payoff than that. And the moment where he kind of just he doesn't give her a full embrace, but a full hug, but he's he's kind of trying to talk. He, he's talking sense into her. He's saying, "Look, you will die here." You know, and I've made peace with that. I'm. This is my destiny. This is what I'm here to do. I've got nothing else to live for. But you do. He's trying to say to her that you've got something else to live for. And I, I think she's she would snap out of it. You know, people are going well. Daenerys wouldn't see red and completely lose her mind. But I is solely focused and hasn't got a human part of her left. And I'm like, yeah, but she isn't Bran. She she does have humanity left. You know, she is still a young woman she still knows she's not a machine you know it's it's a very different character to what people are trying to paint her out to be just because she killed the night king in my opinion so yeah i think everything about that made complete sense and i think the scenes that followed with her um and that kind of touching moment with the horse at the end and her surviving and and just it's going to be interesting what she has to say about things next week. I read week, which is, the most yeah. incredible thing before on BuzzFeed. And it actually goes back to this Bible passage. I'm going to actually read it now. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So the suggestion is that they have symbolically, whether it's literally, they have symbolically put Arya as one of the horsemen of the apocalypse and they've put her as death for riding that pale horse, meaning that she might be the one who actually has to kill Daenerys now because of the horrors that she's seen. And like she knew she had to, she didn't want to kill the Night King, but she had to. And now maybe she's going to be the one that goes, you know what, I need to kill Daenerys because she's become a tyrant. And she's murdered all these people. Well, I think it's more than likely that either she does or she will be involved in it. Either she does or she might die by Daenerys' hand or Drogon's hand. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and as such, John then kills Daenerys. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, she's definitely going to be involved because, you know, she's been as, as crucial a character for anyone. Um, in the se- as as anyone in the series, um, Tyrion's the most interesting one for me next week. I mean, John is going to be heavily involved as we know, but what happens with Tyrion? Do you know what I mean? Because what has he got left? Do you know what I mean? He he has nothing left. 
in terms of his life. I mean, he's, and the he's home, got nothing and, the people, and no one. He, he's the only one that really fought for the people of King's Landing in the whole of this. I mean, he didn't he didn't entirely love them, but he gave a shit. Jamie didn't ever give a shit. Cersei never gave a shit. Tywin didn't give a shit. Robert Baratheon didn't care. You know, Joffrey, oh God. Do you know what I mean? Like, none of them actually care about their people. Whereas Tyrion was the one that was doing things to try and save them. He wasn't just trying to save his own ass. He was trying to save them in the Battle of the Blackwater. He was he was caring about... He, he's got more care for the, you know, the actual general population of King's Landing than anyone, I think. Um, Varys cared more about the the uh, realm, the not the bigger so much. picture. The realm, exactly. Yeah, he, Tyrion cares about the individuals. Varys yeah. cares about the overall structure. Don't get me wrong. John does care about his people. Sansa cares about her people, but their people are. A they bit don't north. care about the south. They'd exactly. happily just basically put up another wall, wouldn't they? Cut yes. themselves off and say, right, we'll live between this wall and the wall, and you can all stay the hell away from it, and we'll just be all cold and happy. And, when and you've got to look at this sense, point and that, go, that's the whole yeah. point. That that that's you've got to look at it, and I think it, that's what they've shown. That what does bloodshed achieve? Like, what has Daenerys got left to rule? You know, she's suddenly on the throne, but she's ruling nothing. So if the Seven did, Kingdoms will be more divided than they've ever been. If anything, so, she would only be ruling one kingdom because everyone else is going to run away screaming from her because now she's a tyrant. But that that was one of my predictions was that come the end of it, the kingdoms would be uh, dissolved and everyone would go back to ruling their own shit because they would say, you know what? All this has done is prove that it doesn't work. We can coexist and we'll just live our own lives. You know, the Ironborn can stay in Pike. The North will stay in Winterfell. The whatever's can stay in Castle whatever. And yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll the Dornish and, and all just, the other ones. Yeah, exactly. We'll trade. We'll we'll do this, that, and the other. But no more centralized royalty, because all it's caused is hundreds of years of bloodshed. Because as soon as you have, you know, that one position, someone else is going to want to take it, and then someone else. And I, I do yeah. think we'll see at the end of it. I think we see the Iron Throne get destroyed. Hopefully, get melted by Drogon which would be brilliant considering the throne itself was was forged by uh, Balerion the Black Dread breath. Yeah, I think that would be quite a fitting moment. I, I think... Because John know, could do that without Daenerys. Now that we know that he's a dragon rider as well, if Daenerys was to die, John could still use Drogon to, to do that's that. That's the one thing that does make things interesting a little bit. She's got a dragon left. You know, she has... An army of sorts left. Um, there is still quite a lot, as we discovered, of um, of the Unsullied and the Dothraki, who you know, it seems like half of them, give or take, kind of survived that initial battle at Winterfell. Because I know it, it deemed that they all died, but it, they didn't. You know, we know Jorah came running back, so there's quite, there's there's an army left to rule. But is there any people? I mean, she can't have killed a whole million person worth of population but like you said the rest of them are just going to run fleeing you know it's 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 a message i think there's deeper messages and understanding i mean you could get into that uh, you know george R. R. martin is a is a, a fascinating guy he's obviously written some incredible books but then the material has has dried up and a lot of people are saying well that's why the shows have have gone the way they've gone they've not had the source material but they're they're very much in regular contract contact with with george he's had a lot of discussions with them he said himself that 
the main characters in the books are going to follow a similar path. He said some of the sub-characters might be very different and might deviate very differently in the show than, than in his books, but the main characters are going to follow a similar journey. So, you know, as much as people are pissed off, you know, that this has happened in the show and Daenerys is not the person they expected her to be or become, I, I'm not at all because I, I did, like you said, there's been enough foreshadowing, there's been enough messages to imply it. I think as soon as she killed Dickon and his father in not cold blood, but the equivalent, do you know what I mean? With Especially when you fire, had Tyrion pleading with that, that's, that's to either the let them make them take the black or a couple of weeks in chains will, will soften the resolve. Because John would never have killed two people in cold blood. You know, he as a leader, as a, as a man. No. He, the only he, time he's, he's ever really that done person. it was the people that murdered him at, at the wall. And that was because they committed an actual crime. And I you think know, they, he still struggled treason. with that as well. Do you know what I mean? There was oh, he a did, especially there. with killing Ollie. You know, you yeah. can see that murdering a kid really, really tore him up. But he knew he had to do that. There's no yeah. way in hell, even if they weren't Sam's family, he would have sent them to a, a dark cell somewhere or sent them to the wall. There's no way he would have put them to death because he knew at the end of the day they were doing what they thought was right. Yeah, and, and Daenerys doing wasn't what doing what... Right. Daenerys didn't do anything she thought was right. You know, when the bells told, yes, she could have killed her, her armies, yes, she could have crushed Cersei, but she had... It's so far removed from that. It's like the bells almost spurred her on, if anything else. Um, I just... She's not in the right mind. She's not... As soon as she got to King's Landing and what had happened with her friend, with her only friend. It's just, she was always at that point. She just, she just wanted to take the throne. And, it's and like I, I'm, she you got know, a little bit of bloodlust, isn't it? I think she went there thinking that she might be able to stop herself, but she was sat there, and of all the places to be, she was looking straight at the Red Keep, and she knows that Cersei's in there. And you said yeah. before, the Red Mist just came down, and even though she might have wanted to be rational... She's just tipped too far the other way and gone, you know what? No more. I've been merciful. I've I've been the kind one. I've tried to be a diplomatic and it's always blown up in my face. And no it has. More. I'm going to yeah. play this game the way you've played it and just be completely ruthless. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, it was a little bit disappointing. You know, we, we didn't get more with Cersei. Um, I think the moment with her and Jamie, I thought was 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 a nice ending actually and I, and I thought it was nice that it wasn't just a archetypal you know over the top fight at some point do you know what I mean it it showed the reality of the situation they died because they had you know they, they Jamie was dying and she she died where she'd always been do you know what I mean the, the house everything she built or worked towards was you know literally and figuratively crumbling around her so it was always befitting, I think, in in a, in a sense. I would say the one thing I'm glad of is that Euron has finally bloody died. Yeah. I what like the fact that he's, he's died as well, believing I'm the man that killed Jamie Lannister, and he, he yeah. didn't. So even, even in death, he's the most arrogant man in the world. Oh, he's probably the most annoying character in the show. I just I wanted him sense. to make one dying comment about putting his finger in Cersei's bum 
Oh, it would have he... been so funny if his dying words were, she does like a finger in the bum, you know. I kind of would have liked him just to get burned on the ship. I, I thought it was a little bit unnecessary, personally. But I think the one thing it did set up is that at that point, Jamie was arriving to her, you know, pretty much on his last legs. Do you know what I mean? He'd been stabbed twice and pretty brutal. Yeah, before, and he, you know. he he wasn't like he just grazed him. I mean, he got him right in the guts. It, it must have taken yeah. every ounce of strength just to make it down there. Without yeah, exactly. him dying on a step somewhere. Yeah, what we've got to revert back to is that Daenerys will probably know that Jamie escaped because the Tyrion, it might come to light, it might not. But I think Tyrion at this stage, God, I don't know what he would think of, of, of Daenerys and what has happened. Do you know what I mean? Because he's, he's got to be as scared as anyone as what's happened. You know, you've still got Davos there. Well, yeah, there aren't a he, lot of characters left. He, he must be thinking. Well, hang on, if she's done that to all these people, what the hell will she do to me if I stand up against it? Because she's already really kicked off at him, hasn't she, with the, I told you the only way we could be together, and, like, you've made your Oh, he's had his last warning, basically. If you do anything else, you're dead. (laughs) It's essentially what happens. Um, It's... I want to see Tyrion go out on a high, personally, and I don't know how it will happen. But I, it's going to be a fascinating episode, and I'm going to be so emotionally battered, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I'm hoping they wrap up as much as they can. I think the one thing we've both found a little bit disappointing is that we didn't get much of a, a backstory about the Night King. But I would imagine, you know, from a HBO perspective, we are going to get prequels that you're going to focus well, they, they've on already, things like that. They already announced the um, one of them before has started production. Yeah, that's the main um, one with quite a big cast and a big show. The it's the one that Jonathan Roth, Jonathan Ross's wife Jane Golding is writing. Um, she wrote a few. Oh things. yeah, of course it is. Yeah, and that's yeah, set so she, five thousand years before the she original did the series. Did she do the recent X Men? I know she did Super Bad. Uh, I don't know. She's done a various stuff, but she she's a good writer, and there's some good people behind that, and some good actors, as you said. So I would the imagine that's going to be it is Blood Moon. Yeah, I think it'll be good because that'll be a little bit more uh, about all that that story, and that, I think that's it's meant fine to go right we'll back to the um, the age of. Oh, it's set a long way back. It's, yeah, it's the age of heroes into the um, the darkest hour. So it's yeah. going to be like the first men, the Andals, the children of the forest. So it's going to be quite magic based and quite mystical. Which it's a bit more. It's a bit more kind of. I know you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, but it's a little bit more lean into Lord of the Rings style of the, the fancy element of yeah. stuff. More um, fantasy which is than cool. just outright sort of sword yeah. fighting medieval stuff. You're going to have to watch Lord of the Rings after Game of Thrones is finished. I am. I am. I have, I've already said I'm going yeah. to at some no, point. No, I, I just think you would. I think it'd be good to fill the void. Um, I think I'll rewatch it because it's one of those show that series that has quite similar times with those films. So it'll be good to kind of get that kick because it's it's been. I mean, we talked a lot about the backlash. Um, as we both kind of broken this down. You know, I have, I can see some of the issues with it. It is rushed. I mean, I think you've got to admit that because, like we said, the character characters have been developed in a certain way, and then suddenly people feel like, well, my character wouldn't do that. And there are a few character kind of anomalies or kind of you know things that aren't in their regular mindset. But we said all along that this is now boiled down to two. You know the north and that part of the of the south, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? There, there aren't other people involved. There's not a lot of other 
you know, the, after the Night King and uh, the, that happened, and that was the big build up to that. What's left is just to go for the throne. And I think I'm not going to fully judge how rushed or isn't rushed this season is until next episode. I think if it doesn't tie up everything in 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 the right possible way, and I don't think they can tie up everything and give you a full, you know, you don't want a, a five-year timeline of what happens if Tyrion survives. Do you know what I mean? You just want to know who survives, who doesn't, what happens as a general rule to the, you know, to the kingdoms and... and It'll be interesting how it plays out next week. It really will, um, because there's not many people left. And and speaking of like we talked about our favorite characters, I think we we should end on Clegane Bowl because you've been waiting for it for so long. And I thought this fight sequence. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I thought it was great because at the moment before and and during this was happening, you know, you had just Daenerys burning everything around her. And the destruction and the brutality, as we keep mentioning that word, um, was just just intermittent. It's just everywhere, and we didn't get much fighting on the streets. Otherwise, we didn't get much of that kind of close quarters action. And this fight was just that, and then some, and then some more. Um, but before we get to that, it Kyburn just being tossed aside like a ragdoll. That was brilliant, um, having his head smashed like a grape. And he's been a good character, I must admit. He's a sneaky little bugger. He's, he has, he's, he's invented he's really all these great things. Into, he's really yeah. fed into Cersei's ego of she she needs a little weasel like him at her side, doesn't he? Somebody yeah. when she says, Do this despicable thing, he goes, Ooh, okay. Because he's, he's, you know, he's, he usually he's, says, I've already done it. <laughs> Yeah, he did everything for her. And it, and actually they were a quite a formidable pair in a lot of ways, do you know what I mean? He was he was a right arm, basically. And he and was he, actually, and, uh, relatively speaking, quite a good hand. Yeah. Wow, that's a weird moped just going past. I thought that was um, a fucking wasp. Like, on your <laughs> microphone. Is that like a wasp from Game of Thrones? Like yeah. Like a giant wasp. A big giant one uh, the size of a Labrador. <laughs> but yeah, Kyburn's been pretty good. He, he was a good character, but it was nice to see him just... Well, it was nice to see that um, the mountain just could saw red again do you know what i mean he 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 is obviously is prone to just defending cersei that's his one goal his mission don't leave my side she says don't leave my side and he doesn't care at that point he knows as soon as he sees his brother that it's still his brother and they've still got unfinished business and it was just i love the way cersei kind of goes guys can i just can I yeah. just nip off? Can I just leave you to this? You've can obviously I, can got I just... something to discuss. Let me and just instead leave of the hound, <laughs> instead of the hound going, hold on a minute, I've got business with you. We just went, go on, off you pop. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. I've just got to fight you. You know, <laughs> fight my brother. I, just, I like the fact that the moment. hound just let her go because he doesn't give a shit about her. He didn't go there to kill Cersei. He went there to kill his brother. Nothing else mattered. Plus, yeah. he probably knew that Cersei was going to get killed either by someone or by oh, something. Gotcha. Because the yeah, whole no capital was falling down. It's not like she was going to all of a sudden get out and go, phew, that was a close one. But yeah, it... Uh, I did like that whole sequence. And I like the fact the battle kind of took place on the stairs. I don't know why, but I've never seen a battle really take place on stairs before. It, it was it was because it was really closely shot. But then you had those great sequences of the roof being destroyed and the dragon flying overhead. You know what I mean? It's a really kind of cool way of doing a fight sequence. Um, and everything he did 
Hal kept stabbing him. Did he say, why won't you die? <laughs> at one point, he stabbed him and stabbed him and stabbed him. And, you know, the first stab was a you know sword completely through that he just pulled out like it hadn't happened. Um, and at that point, you know, you're getting the whole Oberyn, you know, eye gouge, head burst moment. That I thought, I, I oh, no, did, that's not going to happen. I did think he was in a lot of trouble. I thought maybe he was going to be blinded, but he was still going to fight him. But when he stabbed him and he was just going, why won't you fucking die? And I was thinking, what the, how is he actually going to kill him? The only way to kill him was to cut his head off. But, you know, either that or just throw him out of a window several hundred feet up into a uh, a burning street below. That's, you know, that's a pretty decent second. It's just, I think he wanted to kill him and try and survive at one point. Because, you know, he, he was trying everything in his power to kill him. You're right. It was full zombie, zombie film where it's like, okay, why stab him in the eye or stab him in the head or whatever? Stabbed him in the head. That did nothing. He stabbed oh, him straight he through stabbed the eye. Him right in the eye. And he just, oh, it's horrible. Because he kept going. I mean, he, he looked full, full Darth Vader at that point when he took his helmet off and then you saw his chest and everything. And that's cool because you've only seen his eyes, haven't you, at this this point? Yeah. Um, you've only ever seen his eyes when he's been zombified. Um and it was just interesting that the, the stab in the head did nothing. I thought, oh, Christ, he's going to have to cut off his head here. And he just went, he basically says, screw it, and just launches him straight through that that wall and into the, you know, hundreds of feet down into the flames. And, yeah, I mean, that'll do it. That, that, <laughs> do you know? It definitely lived up to, to expectations for Clegane Bowl. It, it did, and like no we said, it meant a that. lot more with Arya being there beforehand than that sequence they had. Do you know what I mean? Because Knowing the Hound has always been an established, really good character, but I think he's had as much of a, of a redemption arc as anyone oh, in a definitely. lot of ways. You know? it, since since um, he left King's Landing, the, the, the sad thing is he left there, didn't he, because he said he didn't want to die there. Yeah. He, he, he didn't want to die surrounded by all these sycophants and these posh bastards. But in doing so, He's he's taken down one of the the worst people in the whole world in his brother, you know, a mass murderer. Absolutely. Oh, people no forget how bad his brother before was. he was dead. Oh God, he was a horrible man. You know, I mean, I still go back to the sequences. You know, when they had the jousting. God, that's just yeah. When he brutal. when he beheaded his horse and oh Christ, I forgot about that. Then there was all the stuff he did when he was. He was out in the wild. And he was just, outcast was, then at that point, wasn't he? And then he just went around ransacking villages and just killing torching things and killing people yeah. and raping. And he, he had his, his army with him and they were all just utter, utter shits. Yeah. But he's, he specifically saved Arya's life because Arya would have gone up with him and potentially the mountain would have tried, would then have stayed with Cersei. Because you don't know. Have, yeah. You never know what's going to happen, but he he sacrificed his life to save Arya, who he definitely had some love for, and he oh, he had one of the best arcs. He's been one of the best second. I think him and Theon the whole show uh, in terms of the redemption arcs, you know, and you You'll look struggle back to, to find anyone's who's better than Theon's. Yeah, I think those two. I think in terms of doing wrong and then kind of fully finding their redemption, you know. It's just crazy to think that all the things that Ramsay did, all the things that Joffrey did, kind of pale in comparison to what Daenerys has just done. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mass genocide. 
I mean, that's why people are struggling to get their heads around it because they love her. She's deemed as being this incredible, you know, this wondrous character that's their favorite and they're naming children after her and all the rest of it. Um, and it's just, it's then she's turned around to being a mass genocidal maniac. And I guess it's kind of fitting. It's, it's very much Game of Thrones, man. I mean, it's very much George Martin, you know, George R.R. R. Martin because he, he, he never does things any other way does he let's be honest i love the way that varus talks about it when he says uh, again he used that line again when when a targaryen is born the gods flip a coin and you just have to see where it lands and i I, mean that's what incest and inbreeding will do to you i mean (laughs) let's be honest it's just such a good way of looking at it and it's like her coin has always been balanced on the edge and it's been spinning and spinning and just at the last moment, it's fallen flat, and the gods have gone. Yep, crazy pills. And yeah, and you and you're right. It's it's she's always been on the edge, like you know, because she's shown moments of incredible humanity, and you can't not look back at the times when they're all calling her Misa and lifting her up above their heads. You know what I mean, mother, and all the all the powerful moments around that. But at the same instance, it only takes a minute for her to feed her you know, feed someone to a dragons or to to order a death sentence that probably wasn't justified or, you know, she would do things throughout this that have always left me going, well, is she good? Do you know what I mean? I've always questioned whether she'd turn. Like, I, and this I will is from... meet injustice with injustice when she took all the 160-something slavers and she nailed yeah. them to the, uh, the the posts, the mile markers in the build up, in the lead up to um, I think oh, yeah. Marine, you know, and everyone was urging her, "Don't do it, don't do it." And she was like, "No, they did it to kids. I'm gonna do it to them." There's a list and, knocking and around, and I think she's done justice. it eight times where she's done yeah. things that clearly show she's always had that madness. Yeah, because people say it's her form of justice, and she's trying to, she's got justification for doing that to this person because they were bad. But John wouldn't have ever done that. Do you know what I mean? And and you know, and Cersei did things that were obviously pretty terrible. But in comparison, not so much. She did things that when people hurt her family, she hurt them back. I think that's the big thing with Cersei. She's very defensive of obviously her kids, and you know she's always had that, or she's had Jamie, and and she always defended her family and what people have done to her family. But I don't know. I mean, Daenerys has done wicked evil things throughout the whole show and, and not really bad an eyelid. So that, to me, thing. she's always complained about Cersei being a tyrant and a mad queen, but at the end of the day, she's just outdone her in the space of about 15 minutes. She, she's done more <laughs> evil in that one episode. Than any of the characters combined. Yeah. She's done more any than Cersei's done in her entire life. So she's done more than any of them she, she's together. Failed. And in doing that, she's undone all the good. Yes, yeah, she's the, the breaker of chains and she's this, that and the other. But what good is it to free slaves if you then murder? She's murdered more people than she saved. So it kind oh. of, you know, it, it's a bit unbalanced. You know, it is unbalanced. If she'd saved yeah. millions and then killed a few hundred, she could at least say, yeah, but for the greater good. But she saved thousands and then killed tens of thousands. So at the end of the day, now after her entire life, 
was building up to that moment and now she will be remembered as a tyrant a mass murderer and a genocidal maniac and yeah and that's the thing you look back at when they talk about these other characters you know the mad king and uh, anyone in in when they talk about historic characters um they've done x y and z over the years she's far outweighed anything anyone's ever she, done she will be Do one of the I mean? ones that people talk about in generations about daenerys stormborn and how she she slaughtered all those people and and she's she's ruined her own legacy she and, and yeah. she's, she'll just be remembered as just another mad targaryen just another one that's gone off the rails so she and she's it is really sad done her I, own I, arc. I, I wanted to see her face at some point i think it was very clever like i mentioned at the start of the show it was clever that they didn't show her face when she was doing this mass destruction they didn't because if they showed her face and she was smiling and enjoying it, Christ, that goes even more the other way. Or if they showed her face and she was struggling with it, they'd kind of try and find sympathy with it. Do you know what I mean? I think it was clever just to, to do it from the angle they shot just it Just fill it in yourself, don't you? And you sort of, I sort of think she will have been a bit of both. Like maybe at first she was a little bit into it, but then as it's gone on, it was a case of shit. But don't forget, it wasn't just damage that she did. She ignited all the caches of dragon fire oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. her dad had left under the city. So, you know, <laughs> if, if you weren't getting killed what by the dragon around? fire, yeah. you were going to get killed by the, um, you know, the dragon fire. The yeah, other and, yeah, the uh, oh, I can't remember what it is. Wildfire. Um, not dragon fire. But it was it was something to behold, and it was there it was, was some quite incredible shocking. visual shots. That the, the shot oh. when Tyrion first walks in through the hole in the wall, and he could see right the way up to the Red Keep, and when Arya was riding out, and it was the same. You could literally see from one end of the city to another, and it's a city that's big enough to hold a million people. And you can I'm, I'm pretty happy that the elephants weren't brought in to, to be suicide. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the smell of all those burned elephants. <laughs> oh, it would have been horrible. Because the Golden Company, were they... Right, let's let's do a poll. Golden Company or the uh, White Walkers, the, you know, the, the Craster's kids, which were the most useless in this? <laughs> in Definitely the White warfare. Walkers, I'd say. Yeah. At least the Golden Company tried to fight, but... I kind of like this because it all goes back to what Jamie said, like you mentioned before. Cersei puts so much faith in, oh, I've got the Golden Company, 20,000 of the best swords in the world. And Jamie's going, she's got dragons. And it's like, yeah, case, case completely closed. Dragons trumps everything apart from a bigger dragon. <laughs> so, yeah. and again, that's another thing people have whinged about. Oh, why did you bring him in? I think it was to prove a point. Cersei yeah. was flexing her muscle and Daenerys has gone, you call that a muscle? This exactly. is a muscle. Yeah, she brought them in because she had no other choice. And, and also, I must admit that I think, like you said, you know, Varys was sending letters left, right and centre. The Golden Company, uh, who they, the Iron Bank, isn't it, who's still yeah. employed. See, they are still more powerful than people like to think because they are a part of like the maesters, do you know what I mean? They're longer lasting than these, what they would deem as squabbles. Do you know what I mean? For them, even this is a squabble, probably a little bit more than that. But they are different. They don't get involved in the politics, especially the maesters, and they don't get involved in, you know, what goes on in terms of who's at the throne. It's just a case of if they can get their money back and who they can back. So, Yes, she's got a dragon. Yes, she's got power, but 
she's got power over what? Do you know what I mean? What is she ruling? What is left to rule? And and so for building a new society and a new future, these kind of people are quite important. Whereas Daenerys is just now she's got an army that doesn't belong in a city, or two two armies that don't belong in a city. Do you know what I mean? The Unsullied don't really have a home. Um, Dothraki certainly don't belong in these kind of lands. Um, it's not where they're from. It's not what they're used to. Do you know what I mean? It's it's different. They've never even set foot on that part, of the, you know, in the, in the past in historical circumstances. Um, and she's got no one else. She's got no hand because, you know, Tyrion's not going to stick around. She's got no John because he'll either stab her or, or he'll certainly leave. <laughs> you know, they're not a couple anymore. So she's got nothing left and she's got Drogon and that's it. So it, it's like at this point, it's going to be really interesting because like we said, what is, you know, she, she may die, she may not, but if she doesn't, she's accomplished what she set out to, but at what cost? And I mean, going back to her vision, well, she, she you know, the house of the undying. Everything. Yeah. Going back to, is it, is it cast when she was in the house of the undying? Yeah. And, and we um, saw the throne room and everything. And we thought that it was it covered was in snow, it was snow and it's ash. Covered in ash. Yeah. Very, and the but, hole and, in the roof. And we got, you know, um, it's, Bran's vision of of a dragon flying over King's Landing, and we got almost seen complete recreation with Drogon flying over. The interesting part that um, they talked about on Guy talks about on the she awesome. The the other sequence in the House of the Undying is when she she steps north of the Wall. Um, whether that's a kind of symbolism, of, you know, she goes to to meet Drogo and the Sun whether that's about her dying, do you know what I mean? Whether that's going to yeah. where it would be. You know, I think we'll see whether all of this comes comes to fruition in terms of what comes true, what doesn't. I would love to see her walking through that same throne room to the throne itself and just mirror imaging kind of that, that sequence all the way back. Um, and I think George and, and the showrunners and the writers have wanted to to kind of play out those similar messages throughout we got the the stuff with Arya and the Night King you know where it talks about that there's a lot of stuff that's just a payoff and what's gone before and it's not fan service it's it's telling a full story it's you know completing a narrative basically and I think it's great that we'll actually get to to really complete the story in, in as a whole I think like we said there are missing pieces I think and, and I think it has been a little bit rushed so the impact maybe it hasn't been as great as we had hoped but you know, season episode three, episode five, two of the most kind of groundbreaking, you know, TV sequences we, we've ever seen. And I still go back to episode one and two where it just had such incredible moments. And we, we talked about Brienne's nighting. We talked about in this episode, you know, Aya and, the, and Sandor having that, that moment together. And we had a moment, which I hadn't talked about too much in episode three, when we, we had Sansa and Tyrion together. You know, uh, there's a lot of moments that have really meant a lot. And I think Tyrion and Jamie we kind of briefly touch upon because they had that moment where Tyrion's gone full circle to rescue his brother like he did with him. Do you know what I mean? And and just, I thought that was kind of a nice moment because he's saying she'll kill you. Do you know what I mean? When she finds out. But he he does what is right because he's trying to save the city. You know, he's saying make sure that the bell is wrong, you know, make sure, you know, you can go off and live your life with Cersei. He wants to kind of find some 
he doesn't want his brother and sister to die essentially that's that's as much as it is um and it, i thought that moment was was really important to terry and i think he's you know i know he's starting to drink again but until that point i think he's starting to he's slowly winding down his life and trying to look back at his life and wonder what he's done right what he's done wrong and what he can kind of find redemption for and what he can't and it'd be very interesting how he plays out he's one of george's favorite characters so will they keep him alive or not is the big question mark and thankfully we've not got long to uh to wait no, we to don't. find out but it's going to be an emotional one on sunday slash monday it is when when this gets watched it, it's going to be you know that 10 10 11 years in the making it's it's I, i'm so looking forward to it but it's going to be so weird the next week knowing that it's not there and like next year knowing that it's not coming back but then we're going to have all of these all of these prequels so we're still going to be in the same universe aren't we we're, we're not going to get the same characters but we'll no. still get that same sort of story being told in in a very similar sort of way we'll still get our dragons and our magic and our sword fight and we'll just get it in slightly different different form and this is obviously a very big inspiration to what probably is the next generation of tv because we are getting i know we talked about lord of the rings but we're getting an amazon prime huge budget lord of the rings show because they got the rights to it which is going to be multi 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 millions worth of i mean getting the rights to it cost them 50 million dollars or something insane so we're going to get stuff in that kind of universe and that you know kingdom as well so uh we are going to get certainly more of this style of tv um which is no bad thing i don't know if we'll ever get anything quite like this because it's not conventional in the fantasy medieval you know that the characters are so well written and so well crafted uh, and they're just so diverse it's it's been such an interesting show that's kind of covered all different parts of their world you know we've seen literally as much as not not all of it but we've seen the good sense of the north and the south and the east and the west and what goes on in each place and the different styles and the different people and it's it's going to be a shame that it's all come to a head really i i i would always want more but i think given the backlash and given everything that's gone on i kind of be happy when it's over so people just show up and get on with it a little bit because it's sad that it's you know, people have put too much weight and expectation on something. I think they've just overhyped it to the point where they're never going to be satisfied. I think that's a fair way to put it. Yeah. So I think it's a bit harsh maybe, but I think that's what it's come to. People just are doing what they did with The Last Jedi and they're doing what they do with even some Marvel films and whatnot. It's just too much pressure and too much expectation that they built up in their own heads. Um, I'm not saying the criticisms are, are all unfair, but I just think some of them are just way too over the top now. Yeah. So I think you just got to sit back and maybe appreciate, like we've said about all this stuff, that people are just producing this quality of content that we've not really had before. Might not be the best episodes of Game of Thrones, but it's still got some of the most you know, p- big payoffs and moments. And I think you've just got to appreciate those a little bit. And I think in a few years' time, people will. Um, but I think people are just jumping on the bandwagon a little bit. Um, and I think their expectations were just way too high for this season um, because season seven, again, wasn't the best season of Game of Thrones. So I thought 
you know, the two-year wait, everyone's just built everything up way too much, I think, for it. Um, maybe we have too, but I, I've been much more satisfied than a lot of people. I mean, they've crafted some really interesting narratives towards the end of the show. And I think I've absolutely will be a good payoff. Season eight. season 8 has been one of my favourites. And you're, you're Second, really honest with that. Favorite. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think... You know, I think I'm always one where I I like the first season of most shows because it feels like the purest kind of sh- you know uh, moment of the t- of the show, like especially Walking Dead and, and maybe Game of Thrones. But they've really just done some pioneering stuff in this last few episodes that people just have to appreciate a little bit because fuck me, a lot of work goes into these things. Do you know what I mean? It's insane. The scale of this stuff is mental. Um, it's just I find it a little bit sad that people find it so hollow. Um, I don't think they should. I think they should just respect that these characters were never maybe going to be giving them the payoff they wanted. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not a happy ending kind of show, is it? Let's well, that, be that's when, the thing when's that it ever been a happy the ending? The show, show has never been about people getting the happy endings. And when you've got such a huge ensemble cast, yeah. it's going to be impossible to to wrap up everyone's story and give everyone the ending that everyone wants. Yeah, you know, again, you are never going to run off and get everyone. married with Arya. Jamie was never going to stay with Brienne. Do you know what I mean? Like, these characters are... The Hound was never going to ride off into the sunset and retire on a farm, you know. Everyone exactly. was always going to... So half of Half of all viewers would have wanted this person to die, but the other half wanted them to settle down. So whatever they do... They were always going to be leaving a huge chunk of the fan base unsatisfied. But the way it looks like it's ending is very Game of Thrones. It's very George R. R. Martin. It's clever that Cersei has gone from being the, the big bad to a victim. The victim. Yeah. Exactly. It's really clever, I think. I, I, I genuinely think it's... I like that. It, it was one of the most human moments that we've seen of it in years when all of a sudden the facades dropped. And it was nice to see sca- that. She's just a scared woman, isn't she? You know, she's just a scared woman, a pregnant woman. Doesn't you know? I don't want to die. She finally yeah, sort of acts like a real human, and she's like, I don't want to die. You know, I've got stuff to live for now. But by that point, yeah. it's too late. She's made a bed. You know, if she hadn't provoked da- Daenerys by killing Missandei, she could have got out of this alive. Oh yeah. And you know, yeah, she, I just, uh, yeah, she didn't realise the consequences of her actions. I think, and I, don't she, think I, I think at the end of the day, she never thought that Daenerys was going to do what she did. She always no. thought, because uh, her brother was too much of a scared little girl to to do what I would yeah. do and take the place. And I think that's course. the thing with Daenerys. I think people have underestimated her whole life, and it's just come to that point where she's gone well. Here you go for underestimating me. This yeah. is it. This and and especially when do. she's gone so paranoid of you've all turned your backs on me. Oh, certainly paranoid. So she bollock, doesn't trust anyone. Bollocks to all of you. Especially yeah. not helped with Varys actively oh, no. conspiring against her. That was like the final, final nail in the coffin. Of, yeah, and John, already John, rejecting, you... John rejecting her advances as well. And that what that didn't really help anything. Yeah, either, but so. John rejects her. Varys plans against her. And John has told people who he is yeah. when she expressly told him we can only do this if you don't tell anyone about it. So, and then losing Missandei and these things have all happened within a matter of days of each other. Yeah. So, and she was already a breaking point. 
you know, she was always a breaking point. She's been stressed out about it for years, for the constant struggles just of trying to do what she wanted to do. It was all going to catch up with her eventually. It was. Right. We've covered that pretty extensively, as we usually do. Um, We do genuinely appreciate we've had some great feedback. Should we do questions next week when we wrap everything up? I think that's fair because we've gone on a little bit too long. Um, let me just have a look at the um, the Twitter okay. account. Yeah, but I would say in the meantime, if anyone would like to recommend us, like, subscribe, leave a review, it can be five stars if you like. Um, as I said, we've had some really good responses, some genuinely lovely feedback in recent weeks. Um, I know we still, we would say we have quite a small audience, um, so do share us around um, if you do like what we do. Um we do this for free, obviously. We spend a lot of our time. We do spend a little bit of money just to get these things produced. Um, and so we would genuinely appreciate just growing this audience a little bit. And if there are things you want us to cover and we don't talk about, you know, Game of Thrones isn't for everyone. I know it's for nearly 90% of the population, it feels like. But if it's not for you, we will be covering a lot of other things in the future, not just Marvel and, and Game of Thrones. There's some other cool things and stuff going on. So... It will be quite nice when when it's not just a mega podcast every week and we can actually talk for 50 minutes an hour and have <laughs> to talk forever. Um, but we do genuinely appreciate it. It's been a really interesting an interesting topic. It's cause so people are so divided on this. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, one question that we got on, on Twitter. Um, even though there's always been foreshadowing, do you think um, Danny's character arc into the Mad Queen has been rushed this season? Heard a rumour that um, Dan and Dave were offered 10 episodes from HBO with a bigger budget and they turned it down, saying it will only take six. If that's true, do you think it was a mistake despite having longer episodes? I'd say yes, because I was always in favour of them having longer seasons to tell the story. But it's tricky because if they then tried to stretch it out, people would then have said, oh, the pacing's all wrong and there's loads of filler. I think it kind of, from their point, makes more sense to do six full-on high-octane episodes more than it does to sort of have three or four what they would consider to be filler episodes. Yeah, I I think it could have done with one or two more because I I think it didn't feel like a rush into the the battle with the Nine King, but it felt like that ended quite quickly. Do you know what I mean? And I think the same with this episode. Um, It was... It was important how it played out, but I think if we if we we'd had a little bit longer when people had died to have that week of just kind of thinking about things rather than just loads of people dying and lots going on and lots of this. It's a lot of talking points as we keep having and everyone keeps having. So yeah, I think a couple more episodes wouldn't have hurt at all. Um, I think season seven should have had one more episode as well. I think that felt a little bit rushed towards the end of that season. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean. I think Daenerys, like we said, I don't think that's felt as much as a rush as people have thought. I, I think um, it's the exact opposite of a rush. I'm amazed it took this long for her to crack. I thought she was going to trigger. I thought she's going to trigger sooner. Um, the only I think thing the Night King situation was a bit different. Yeah. Was I thought the Night King arc should have been finished last season, and then all of this season should have been about um, the, the battle throne. for the throne. That's I think so too. I, I think changed. if you'd squeeze ten episodes in, and are you killing the Night King would have been the last moment of season. Well, no, that would have been the episode nine, wouldn't it? 
and then episode okay, well, 10 yeah. would have been the the aftermath with preparing, preparing and then i think i think you're south. right if you got to winterfell and then and then maybe had that episode and then you got this one would have been then maybe this would have fit in six episodes do you know what i mean i think yeah. you're right i think that would have been one way to go about it um you know, I think it's close. I think it's close, and I think we'll we'll judge it fully next week because I think you've got to see what happens. If it if it is a quite dissatisfying ending, then maybe you can make question marks around it. But I think it's a bit harsh at this stage. Yeah, well, that's it. We we only had that one question, in, oh, so that, that's not too bad. Um, a lot of people have, have discussed a lot of things about it, yeah. <laughs> and I've discussed a lot of things, but. I thought we would both kind of get our thoughts out properly on this podcast, which I think we've both done. So, yeah, if you agree with us, great. If you don't, that's fine. You know, happy to have these debates and these discussions. We're not. It's just how we feel about the show. It's not anything personal. Um, but it it's interesting, the response to this show. I've never quite known anything like it as a divisive, you know, something people universally love to, People are actually starting to hate it. It's quite strange, to be honest. Yeah. And turning against the showrunners and, I don't know, it seems a bit, it seems very 2019 anyway, let's put it that way. It feels like the way the world is going. Um, Everyone just wants to hate the things they love, which I, I don't know, I think it's a little bit harsh. So, but, you know, everyone's got their own opinions and, and they're certainly making them known. So we'll see what happens next week and if you're going to end up satisfied or dissatisfied. But I think you should be entertained. That's 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 what I will leave on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, let us know your thoughts, good, bad or indifferent. Um, send us any questions that you might have and we'll try, We'll just answer them on Twitter. Um, and failing yeah. that, we'll catch you next week for the uh, uh, season eight finale. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.